Welcome to You Might Hate This Book, where each episode one of us will recommend a book to the other. A book that we love that we suspect our co-host might hate. Well, hate is a strong word. How about falls outside of their traditional scope of interest. Fine, that's fair. A book they would never have chosen to read otherwise. We'll read the assigned book, then come back together to discuss. Did you love it? Or did you hate it? So you agree we might hate it. (sighs) Yeah, you might hate it. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Hannah. And you might hate this book. Hi. <laughs> it's very summery outside. I know. It's lovely. It's not so summery that I'm dying yet. Right. It's just, it's light. Yes. Like when we started doing this, we always showed up in the dark because right? it yes. gets dark in the middle of the afternoon. But yeah. now it's like, it's light outside it's and nice. it just feels nicer. Maybe it will always be light now that we've, we're not doing daylight savings time anymore. Oh, I'm so happy that that is finally happening. Yes. Me too. Have you ever heard Kyle on a soapbox about daylight savings time? I'm happy it's happening. Yes. (laughs) Just for that reason that I don't have to listen to my husband talk about daylight savings time ever again. Also, I like it. I'm I'm pro changing it, but I appreciate not going to work in the dark. Yeah, Yeah. for real. Um, but I'd be really happy not to listen to those rants. Yeah, it's over. Cool. Do you have anything to update us on? What's going on in your life? Um, it's the summer. <laughs> You're happy. <laughs> and today is Brandon's birthday. Oh, happy birthday. The Brandon. day we're recording, not the day. Well, I forgot to airs. text him, so this is your happy birthday, Brandon. <laughs> it's uh seven days yes. late, six days late. But um I did I did yes. know it was your birthday. I just oh, forgot. Yeah. To we're gonna text. celebrate later this this week. Cool. Mm-hmm. Well, I have a really important question for you that I okay. hope you're capable of answering. I it's a you, little, you look really unsure. It's a little bit of a risk. Okay. Um, well, I like risks. This is fine. Pretend you're a completely different human being. Okay. If you had to date an athlete, what sport would you choose your athlete from? Oh, interesting. Um, maybe soccer? Uh, I wish there was more men's volleyball because that is... I'm basing this entirely on the sport I like to watch the most. Oh, because you have to be um, <laughs> be there probably. Right. I like football, but like I wouldn't want to be at a lot of football games. And that's just... Nah, I wouldn't want that. Uh, baseball's boring. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball's not really my vibe. So I guess I'll go with soccer. Okay. Mm-hmm. I also choose soccer. Okay. okay. Not ne- I mean, it is a sport that I can enjoy watching. Soccer yes. and basketball are like the only two sports that I can enjoy watching. That's fair. Um, but it's soccer players. That's... Yes, they're also very <laughs> correct. Yes. That was why I asked mm-hmm. the question. <laughs> yeah, I didn't used to like soccer until I worked at a middle school in Georgia and we had a bunch of our students on a soccer team, so I was trying to be a good teacher, and some of the other teachers were going, so I was like, I'll go to a Try to be match. supportive. And they were good. Yeah. Like, these were good middle school players. Like, one of them hit it with his head into the goal <laughs> and, like, all that stuff. And I was like, oh, turns out it's a fun sport to watch Yeah, when people are good. <laughs> yeah. It, like, it's one that I can pretty easily follow. There are only a couple of rules mm-hmm. that I, like, I, I still don't understand the offsides thing. I mean, yeah. I've had it explained to me over and over again. I don't. 
No. But after hundreds of football games, like literally hundreds of football games, I have not ever found it entertaining, and I still don't understand the rules. I I understand yeah. some stuff. Baseball, the rules are the easiest, but like you have to be watching baseball. Yeah, it's so, boring. Like, I don't want to watch it. That's the trade off. No. And basketball, like I do like watching it's basketball. It's fast paced, and I understand the rules to that one. But I don't and... like the vibe of basketball. Yeah. Of professional basketball. I don't, I don't want to be married into that, I don't think. Um, so, soccer. I'm going to go with soccer. I imagine there would be lots of international travel with soccer, too. That, which would be fun. Yeah. I would enjoy that. Okay. Well, in a parallel timeline, or not a parallel timeline, in an alternate timeline, sure, you sure. and I can marry soccer That's players. We'll, be soccer. we'll have a Soccer Wives podcast. Yeah, that would, okay. Mm, alternate timeline, Hannah and Stephanie. Okay. <laughs> That's cool. Okay. Well, now that we've figured out what we're going to do in a different dimension. Yeah. Um, it totally relates to our book. Oh, right. I... I bring it up because this week's book is The Bromance Book Club by Lissa K. Adams, mm-hmm. which is not about soccer, unfortunately. No. It's about baseball, yeah. but that's fine. That's fine. It's, it's fine. It's not really integral to the book. I right. But it, I don't, it could be any sport. Right. In reading this book, I did not have to become invested in baseball. No. Or even no terminology, really. Right. So here's a summary of The Bromance Book Club. Gavin Scott is a Major League Baseball player um, living in Nashville with his wife, Thea, and twin daughters. He thinks his life is perfect until he realizes that Thea has been faking it in the bedroom for their entire three-year marriage. (laughs) As one might expect, he doesn't take the news very well, and they end up having this big blowout fight, which leads to Thea asking for a divorce. The desperate Gavin turns to his teammates for guidance about how to win his wife back, and they present him with a very unconventional method of learning how to patch things up, reading romance novels. Yes. Uh, Thus, Gavin is invited into the Bromance Book Club. As Gavin reads a Regency-era romance called Courting the Countess, Mm -hmm. he is shown examples of how not only to seduce a woman, but listen to her, understand her, and communicate with her. With the help of romance novel research and the support of his teammates, Gavin finally figures out how to see his wife for who she really is and say the things he's needed to say all along. And Thea gets to have an orgasm. So, yep. Mm-hmm. Multiple, multiple orgasms. Yeah, a lot. Mm-hmm. That problem is resolved. Great. Yep. yep. <laughs> all right. Man, this is a romance novel, <laughs> which is always just like... What? So tough to figure out if you can tolerate it. But this is the one that people thought if you were going to like one. Yes, we have friends that were, like, trying to figure out if, you know, what kind of romance novel I would actually like. Um, And this one was recommended to me by a couple of them. Okay. Love Hypothesis was a... Three. Really? I think. Okay. And then what's the other one we've done? Um, Oh, the spoiler... And that was a two. Spoiler alert. Okay. Maybe I gave Love Hypothesis 2.5. I don't know. I wanted to give it more than spoiler alert. Okay. Because I liked it more. I'm going to say you gave this a 3. I gave it a 2. Oh, no! <laughs> okay, well, all of our friends were wrong. <laughs> I know. I Of the three beside me, I think it's in the middle. I still like spoiler alert the least, but I think I liked Love Hypothesis a little bit more. Okay. Only because I appreciated and enjoyed the tropes that it used mm-hmm. more. Okay. I, I was cool with the grumpy sunshine. I like a pining, broody Mr. Darcy. Mm-hmm. This book was obviously like husband and wife, husband winning wife back mm-hmm. trope. I don't know what you call that. that like that? Uh-huh. Yeah, I, I think maybe that's winning what you call her, winning it. Winning her back. Um, yeah. 
And it was stressful. <laughs> I I was like, I was just stressed out. I was like, oh no, this marriage is in peril. You know how it ends. I know, but like, which is... That's the thing about romance novels that I yeah. like, though. It's like, you know how it ends, but it still gets you invested. Like, I thought it was yeah. stressful, too, but that's delightful because you know it's going to be okay. It was, I think it was too real-life stressful. You know how I won't watch yeah. Parenthood and yeah. I won't watch This Is Us? Like, And while I am not married to a Major League Baseball player and I do not have adorable three-year-old twin girls like Thea in the book, I mean, every couple has communication problems, and so it's like, I don't want to read about this. Like, uh-uh. <laughs> Um, Yay, marriage issues. I know. I, not that I have any. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Happy <laughs> no, birthday, Brandon. <laughs> <laughs> no, we're totally good. We've been married for, like, almost 11 years now, though. So, um, you know, we've had our ups and downs. But, yeah, so reading about it was like, I want to do this. Like, <laughs> And the stakes felt higher. when you. I've never read a romance novel where the two main characters are already married. Yeah. I didn't even know that was... Than a thing romance novels did. <laughs> now you know. It didn't seem popular. But so it felt like so much more was at stake. Because instead yeah. of just a, oh, we might break up. Or, oh, he'll never be into me. Or whatever. Yeah. It's like, oh, we might destroy this marriage. Yeah. And they have children. And there's other family members involved. And I was just, I was stressed. <laughs> um, so, yeah. I think that's. I did not consider your stress level. I mean. Yeah. The stakes were definitely higher, but I figured since you know how it's going to end, it wouldn't I be know. stressful. Yeah, it. I don't think that mattered. <laughs> you know, I don't care about spoilers. Like, right. I'll know how a book ends and still read it and still enjoy reading it. So I think just knowing that it ends well, and I did have to remind myself that a couple of times. Yeah. But then I think that just made me angry. <laughs> because, <laughs> Why are you doing this to me? Because I was like, all right, I know y'all are going to fix it eventually. Can we just... Here's what I here's what I found myself saying throughout the entire book. Oh my goodness, just go to therapy. <laughs> go see a therapist, please. Both of you, separately and as a couple, please. <laughs> because they needed they needed some therapy. I don't think that would have been a bad suggestion in real life. Yeah. <laughs> Not an exciting book. I... And they go to therapy and they slowly work it out and it ends up being okay. Yeah, I mean at that point you're just reading it's a very case sexy. study of <laughs> a, you know, a psychologist. So yeah, there were so many things in your summary. I thought, "Oh, I I, I kept having thoughts and now I don't remember." Um, you can read my summary. Oh, when you said Gavin turns to his friends, yeah, <laughs> for help. He doesn't so much turn to them as goes and gets completely wasted and they have to pick him up off the floor and go, bro, you in a sad place. We go help you. <laughs> hey, buddy, what's up? Uh, yeah, that's like how the book opens. Hey, I'm laying on the floor drunk because my wife kicked me out. Um, and it wasn't. And also, like, when you said, like, he finds out she's faking it in bed and then... She kicks him out. There was, like, a period of time in between. There was, like, a month before that. Yeah. Like, she tells him... He finds out she was faking it. And then there's, like, a month where he just sulks in the other room of the house. Until yeah. she finally gets fed up and is like, I can't with you anymore. I'm kicking you out and asking for a divorce. And then he's like, what? <laughs> I've been being a baby for a whole month and you want me to... <laughs> anyway. I was supposed to react to this better? <laughs> uh, yeah. Um... Okay, so things I did not like. The first thing was just, I don't like this trope. The winning your wife back trope. I think it's more stressful to me mm -hmm. than other tropes. Is that the only reason why you don't like it? Just because it's stressful or like... Yes, and like I said, the stakes are higher. Like, it makes me feel 
just so much more sad when a marriage and like and then they had children too yeah. i'm sure not every book like this there but there's like and they're part of the book like they yeah. go to their dance recital together or their little school play and it's <laughs> like oh i and that's somebody who's married with two children i'm like i this is just too real life <laughs> too real life um so that i didn't like that trope and then i i honestly didn't like most of the characters no gavin just i felt bad for gavin yeah because he clearly didn't know how to communicate with his wife but also he just ended up feeling very stereotypical like dumb male like what i need to talk to my wife and ask how she's doing what (laughs) (laughs) and his conversations with the other guys it felt very like just stereotypical yeah Um, also this is the second book you've assigned me where the male main character has like a disability he has a stutter Mm. like we read spoiler alert where Mm -hmm. guy had what dyslexia yeah like why does that have to be why do they have to be disabled to be lovable (laughs) i don't know i'm like why is this a it didn't seem completely pertinent to the plot like spoiler alert did i have a hypothesis okay a love hypothesis (laughs) very good (laughs) ew um i don't know that this is accurate at all but like in romance novels, you're obviously going to try to describe the male lead as incredibly attractive. Which she does do. Um, because it would be kind of weird if it was like, and he was essentially average looking. Yeah, uh, yeah. Um, but like, a man can't be perfect. And especially right. if there's going to be like grand gestures and romance and flowers right, and love right. and lots and lots of sex. It would be unbelievable for a person to be that perfect. So it's like... But he has dyslexia. Yeah, right. I guess... <laughs> He's still a human being. I didn't make this up. He's completely real. I guess it just felt weird to me that the way we make them not perfect is a disability. I don't disagree with you now that you pointed out. I yeah. think that is a little bit icky. I mean, he was already imperfect because he couldn't communicate with his wife. Right. Effectively. I also, like, again, hypothesizing. Yeah. Um, it, your hypothesis makes sense. It could also be, like, a metaphor for vulnerability, like, kind of being forced to ask for help because there's something you physically cannot do. Right. Which, like, stereotypically, men will not ask for help if it's something that they, like, can get away with not having to ask. Right. But physically, you know, you have to make adjustments, and so maybe vulnerabilizing them is... Definitely not a word. Well, I can't. We'll make it a <laughs> Vulnerabilizing word. them in that way yeah. humbles them for the story. I guess, and I see what you're saying. I think there was a, a more natural way to do that without a disability. Like, because the stutter was also used as an excuse for, like, he was a late bloomer and didn't have a lot of experience with girls. And so that's why he didn't realize his wife was faking it. But I was like, or he could have just been shy. Right. Like, you didn't have to have a stutter to be like, girls didn't like me. <laughs> like, <laughs> you could have just been shy and not experienced and that, that that's it. Like, yeah. So, that was weird. That's fair enough. Um. So, yeah, he was like, but I did feel bad for him. Like, yeah. as, stere- as stereotypical as I found him on occasion, yeah, I felt bad for him. I probably liked him the most. I did not really appreciate, I did not enjoy Thea. Okay. <laughs> I did not enjoy his wife. Um. She... She does this thing. Again, this is too real life. <laughs> yes, I get why she is upset. Um, and it is their issues are bigger than just what's happening in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. You know, she goes into this whole narrative of ever since we got married and I became a baseball wife, I feel like I've been faking it. I have not been 
true to myself and who I am. I've tried to fit in with this crowd. She references at one point like her closet full of Lily Pulitzer dresses. And I'm like, <laughs> I, I get this. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> that was a nice little like description where you told me all I needed to know in that. Um, nothing wrong with Lily Pulitzer dresses. Sorry. Unless um, you just don't like them. Which right. Like... Which her character, she's very artsy. She'd wanted to go to art school. Um, and she's just very, like, the kind of girl who's going to throw on some leggings and a, and a t-shirt and put her hair up in a messy bun and, yeah. like, hey, what's up? So I get that that was, like, the theme. And they weren't communicating in their marriage. And, like, she has a right to be upset. That's fine. But she did that thing that I feel like not even just women, people do with their partners where you think they should read your mind. Yeah. And it's like... <laughs> Girl, I understand all your frustrations, but you have not voiced nary a one to him up until <laughs> this crucial point in your marriage. And then you're like, I've had it. Go. And you're like, okay, there has to be some balance here. You yeah. can't just... And yes, should he have noticed that she was fading away a little bit? Yes. But he's also a major league baseball player. They're also newly married. Like, you need to, like, pipe up and say, hey, hun, uh, we didn't have a chat. Right. And there's... There's a difference between we've talked about this several times that I, you know, I have this boundary right. or I have this need or I have this whatever and you're still not listening and it seems like you're never going to. So bye. And right. you never figured it out exactly on your own. <laughs> yeah. So I am done with you. And it's like like all the other baseball wives, she doesn't get along with a lot of them. And like they go to a, a party and she mentions that to him and he had no idea. And he was like, what, you don't like these women? And I'm like. See, girl, this is where you you could have told him amongst those three years you were together. Like, oh, I really, I mean, I don't know about you, but if I go somewhere with my husband and we interact with people that put me off, like immediately when we get in the car, I'm like, I got I got to vent to you, man. <laughs> like, yeah, um, I actually, I rarely even have to do that because right. Kyle will look at me across a room and be like, "You're annoyed." <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, and I'll look at him and just be like. Yes, I am. <laughs> so, like, I... And that made me feel bad for him. He was very hapless and yeah. bewildered. He was just, like... It came completely out of left field for him. Baseball <laughs> metaphor. Baseball. But he was just like, seriously? I had no idea. Yeah. And, you know, they didn't know each other very long before they got married because she got pregnant and that's why he proposed and, you know, which he did not regret. But, like, they hadn't had a lot of time together. You're still getting to know each other. And I'm just like... All her frustrations, I I just got frustrated with her because I'm like, but you haven't said anything to him. And then you're like expecting him to prove himself to you. And it's like, you have you have given him literally nothing to go on. <laughs> so I just got annoyed with her. And then also she rubbed me the wrong way because she, she like does a complete 180 and she's like, I'm no longer faking any of my feelings. I'm going to say exactly what I think. And that I've known people to weaponize that. Uh, mm -hmm. in an unhealthy way. There has to be a balance, but I mean, you don't, you shouldn't fake things, but you also don't need to just spew your unfiltered thoughts all over everybody. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Um, there's a difference between like being inauthentic and right. faking everything, but every time you think your boss is being a dick, right. you don't say that. Right, sure. Unless, of course, you intend on moving from job to job until ultimately you're unemployed. Yeah. And if that's your choice, that's fine. But, like, yeah, in a marriage, if every single time you went, like, the way you're talking right now annoys me so much. Like, yeah, it's like, that's not... You're supposed to just shove that down yeah, and deal with it. You don't... <sighs> yeah. Anyway, so that's Gavin and Thea. 
Then they have, you know, each of their, like, male-female buddies, mm-hmm. I guess, in the book. The sidekicks. Yeah. Um, Fia's is her sister, Liv. Hey, I have sisters. I am pro-sister. Like, I'm all about a strong sister coming in and helping a sister out. Said the word sister too many times. <laughs> sister. Um, but Liv is the worst. <laughs> because while I am pro-sister, I am also pro-marriage. Right. And, like... I get the initial, her sister moves in to help with her kids when she kicks her husband out and, like, being supportive. That was cool. Liv started out cool. But then, as Gavin is clearly trying to make overtures to patch things up with his wife, and, like, as Thea starts to soften to him, here's Liv over here going, nope, (laughs) it's a competition to him. Nope, you remember why you left him? You don't want to be like our mom. (laughs) And it's like, ugh, would you just shut up? And move out. <laughs> to be fair, I like it goes into their backstory and yes. their trauma with their parents. Yes, it does. Uh, like their mom continued to return to something that she really should have left. Yep. And I think it would be easy for Thea to be like, "You're being a pushover. You're just going to allow him to continue to mistreat you, and I don't want that for you. You know how that ends up for kids, right?" Her, tr- her trauma was clearly clouding her vision because yes, that isn't exactly what was happening. But I also respect her being aware of that. You yes. know, I've done the same thing. I mean, you know that one of our friends broke up with their boyfriend and I was I was very warning her, you yeah, know, like, if you... He did this to you. Yeah, if you take him back... This could happen, and I was like, I helped you through this breakup for several months the first time, but if it happens again, I'm gonna kindly and lovingly say, I told you so. Right. But then I said, if that is your choice, yes, I will do absolutely anything to make it work. Well, you had kind cautions, and then also, but I'm gonna respect your choice. Yeah. Yeah. Liv did not approach it like that. Yeah. It was like, I'm gonna be snarky over here in the corner and be passive-aggressive, your husband and the father of my nieces. And then there was no, like, I respect your choice conversation. It was basically like, oh, well, he called me and told me you might need me, and that was nice of him, so you have my blessing. Yeah. And I was like, nah, it is not your call. (laughs) But, um, yeah, so she annoyed me. Fair enough. And then, okay, Gavin had his whole bromance book club group Mm -hmm. and like but there was I feel like one standout character Mm -hmm. and that was Brayden Mack Mm -hmm. um he confused the heck out of me (laughs) tell me what was Adams doing with his character I don't even know so like the whole book club is like we're reading these because they're not just trashy romance novels they're about women's empowerment and they're telling Gavin things like you got to find out her backstory and you got to think about the, the narrative you're telling her with your actions and then you have this guy who's saying all these things in the book club, and he's, like, a known, like, womanizer, I guess. I don't know what his <laughs> vibe is. Like, there's comments made about, oh, he flirts with everybody's wives. Don't be bent out of shape about it. I'm like, hold the phone. <laughs> <laughs> this seems contradictory. <laughs> and also, Gavin hates him from the beginning, and I was never clear why. Like, is it because he ate his apple that was in his hotel room? <laughs> I definitely don't remember that. It's been a while since like, I Like, at the very book. beginning, when they go pick Gavin's drunk butt up off the ground, and he has an apple, and this guy, Brayden, starts eating it, and he's like, my kids gave me that apple. <laughs> that is what he says to him. And then at the very end of the book, like, Brayden gives him an apple. Oh, It's, like, really weird. I was like, 
I don't understand your relationship. I don't understand why you hate him so much. I don't, I don't understand this character. Somebody please explain. I didn't, I didn't know what to do with it. I have things to say about that, but I think I'm going to save them. Okay, well, I don't know if that was so much I hated his character. I was just thoroughly confused. Yeah, I mean, I think I interpreted the, like, flirting thing as he's just not serious. He, like, he holds these beliefs about the romance novels and the women's empowerment. Like, he believes all of that, but he's not interested in the relationship, so he just, like, he just kind of, like, innocently flirts with the wives and the waitresses, but he's not, he's not a womanizer of, like, dating women, dumping them, not calling you back, stuff like that. He's just, like... A not serious guy. He seemed very serious about himself, though. Like, he seemed very into himself he was and very... how attractive he was <laughs> and knew it. Um, and the whole, there's this whole scene where, like, he flirts with Thea at a Thanksgiving dinner and then Gavin punches him. And I was just like, what is this? Like, mm-hmm. it felt very high school and either he's not serious and you let it go, Gavin, or also, like, you know he's having marriage problems, maybe, like, don't do that. Don't, yeah, flirting with the I, guy's wife who's having marriage problems and you know about that, that's like a little much. Yeah. I feel like they called out the punching, though. They were oh, they like, did. that is a really toxic masculinity, immature thing to do. They do. Um, they do. Like, you just, like, went full stereotype right now. Congratulations. Yeah. Which felt, uh, yeah, it was strange. Um, <laughs> just a couple other small things I didn't enjoy. I did not enjoy how it felt like we were reducing an entire marriage relationship down to how to what happens in the bedroom right (laughs) it felt a little strange Uh, it felt like a cop-out on the author's part because they clearly had bigger issues but every time we were like getting to like a really big conversation it was like we're gonna shortcut that conversation with some horniness (laughs) Um, (laughs) so that was Interesting. Uh, Isn't that how all conversations go? I mean, sometimes it's helpful, I guess, but uh, (laughs) I don't know. It just felt like a a cop-out as far as the plot. Um, But also that was kind of the point. So the courting the countess excerpts. Yeah. So this this book he's reading that you do get excerpts of it in the book. I didn't need those (laughs) because it felt like a a cheap ripoff of Bridgerton. Is what it felt like. They just kept talking about the ton and the... I don't know. I think it might be like a a wink at Bridgerton. If it makes sense, yeah, if it was. Um, and yeah, they got caught in a compromising situation, and so he had to marry her. Yes, and, right. I've touched like, this woman's hand, yeah. so now we have to get married. I was like, this just feels like Bridgerton, but without all the pretty costumes. So I'm not into it. Yeah, um, that's the cool soundtrack. Yeah. Oh yeah, the soundtrack is good. And then the ending was weird. The ending of this book is he's on a plane and he's like. I know what I need to do. I'm going to go marry my wife. And by marry his wife, what he actually means is I'm going to crash someone else's wedding. The wedding of my wife's father and his fourth wife. (laughs) Because I know she's there to deal with some sort of like trauma and issues with her dad. So I'm going to go there and quote marry her when really he just stormed into the room. And it wasn't even like a I object kind of thing. It was like Where's my wife? Oh, she's sitting in that pew over here. Hey, come out here. <laughs> we need to make things right. It was very strange. So that was... And it was considered, at least in the book, a grand gesture, and you hate a grand gesture. I do, but I knew it was coming because the guys in the book club kept, ta- kept talking, talking about him, a grand gesture. And they kept telling him, like, 
you're not ready for that. Like, <laughs> now is not the time for the grand gesturing. You need to, like, build up some trust first, which I was like, okay, that's fair. At least there's that. Um, so here are the few things I liked. I really enjoy a good telling off in a book. <laughs> sure. And those other baseball wives, some of them were real real mean girls Mm -hmm. and there's one in particular her name was rachel she was the meanest of all the mean girls and at the end thea has a moment where she just tells her off and i was there for it (laughs) um that left me more satisfied than any other scene in the rest of the book i'm happy that at least you got that (laughs) so that was really fun i liked that also slightly problematic some of the one star reviews i read talked about how like okay we're all talking about women's empowerment but then let's just fall back on the cattiness of women here. Sure. So it also kind of felt high schooly. Regardless, I enjoyed it. <laughs> so, um, also the author got Nashville right. Yeah. She knew like the difference between yeah. Brentwood and Franklin, and so that was nice. And the kids were cute. The kids were cute. They were real adorable. <laughs> um, twin little girls, each with their own personality, which could have easily been glossed over. In a yeah, book they like could have just been like grouped. Yeah. Um, it was cool. And one, like, clearly kind of preferred mom and one preferred dad. And, like, that dynamic had some payoffs in, like, them resolving their relationship together. Mm-hmm. And that was fun. So th- that those are my thoughts. Okay. Well, now I will tell you my thoughts. Yes, please do. So I'll start with some stuff about the author. Um, Lissa K. Adams graduated from Michigan State University with a journalism degree. And then she became a newspaper reporter. And she did that oh. for, like, 20 years. Um, Oh, cool. Okay. And she might have done that full time for forever, except that she just like got the bug to write and she started writing in 2015. She quit that job so that she could write full time. The Bromance Book Club isn't her first published book, but it's the first one that's published with like a major publisher, which really does make a difference. Yes. Um, And she's married to a sports writer, which I anticipate Ah. had something to do with the the baseball theme of of this series. So she had the idea for Man Needs Reads Romance Novels to Learn How to Win Back a Woman. Um, She had that idea many years ago, but she shelved it because she wasn't sure exactly Mm -hmm. how to like make it work. I like that idea. Yeah. Like, it actually works. Like, it's, yeah. a, it's a good idea. So, but she didn't know how to make it work. And then 2016 happened, and the recordings oh. of Donald Trump talking about grabbing women inappropriately surfaced before the election, and the national conversation turned to, quote-unquote, locker room talk. Oh, um, I, I remember that. There was lots of discussion about, like... That's just how men talk when they're alone. It doesn't mean that it, like, influences their behavior. Mm -hmm. It doesn't Mm -hmm. mean this. It doesn't mean that. Like, it's innocent, quote-unquote, locker room talk. And, like, I just kept hearing that from, like, apologists. Um, Uh It's just a joke. And, like, what's a joke versus not a joke? What's okay to say in private and public, even if you, like, quote-unquote, don't mean it? And then, like... The idea of when do you call something out, even if it is in a more private setting. So Adams was like, okay, now I know what to do. <laughs> so are going to be baseball guys. <laughs> so in the story, she wanted to use a group of what would be stereotypically perceived as alpha males. Yes. Um, and so Major League Baseball players, professional athletes, very alpha male. 
Um, they have lots of money. They have hot wives. They have big houses. They have ripped abs. Like, this is a group of... Right. So we witness their story, and sometimes they are literally in a locker room talking. Mm -hmm. so like, yep. so the locker room talk thing is there. So we're thrown into this team of men, manly setting. They hang out all the time. They have, like, loose boundaries because they're, like, so close. What are they going to do? And the dynamic that's shown in this book is what it could be if people decided that that's what they want it to be. The mm -hmm. men call each other out on things. On their own toxic masculinity. Yeah, on their, like... Things do get said. They aren't perfect people. Right. Someone will say something and someone will call him out. And it's like, this is how quote unquote locker room talk could happen if people decided that's what they were going to do and they were going to live out that principle. So that leads us into how a big part of this book is about exploring non-toxic masculinity, which I'll just go ahead and call masculinity. That sounds great. Because masculinity in itself is not good or bad or anything. Yeah. It like it just is. Um, and so when people talk about toxic masculinity, no one's saying like hate all men, like it's specific kind of masculinity that right. is uh toxic. So Adams's version of masculinity without the toxic stuff is men policing men. Women can call men out on their stuff when they say something inappropriate or whatever, but it just doesn't go the same way, you know? Well, yeah, as when you have an equal, like, yeah. call you out. I'm not saying men and women aren't equal, but, like, you know. It just, like... Somebody if, coming from the same place as you saying, hey, yeah, you should check that. And, it, of course, if they're saying something about a woman, it's right. like they already have a certain mindset towards women if they're saying or doing that thing. So you calling them out is going to like carry less weight. So it really is very helpful to have like male allies who are yes. willing to be the ones to call it out. Mm -hmm. um, and I like that this book made it so where it doesn't have to be like a big deal. It doesn't have to turn into like a feminist sermon or like a brawl. Just, hey, that was, don't say stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Moving on. Mm -hmm. Like, it, you can just whisper even to your friend, like, don't say stuff like that around me. And then you just move on. Um, so I liked that it gave us a realistic picture of how that could happen. And, and tried to normalize it. Yeah. So another thing that the, the group does for each other that's part of this masculinity that Adams is is depicting is them helping each other shed expectations that they were raised with about like oh. men don't talk about their feelings and yes. don't show vulnerability and don't need help because Gavin does need help um, right. and he as you said approaches it in a really unhealthy way like he gets so drunk he can't stand yeah, and he pouts and he yeah know. and he yeah he like hides in a room he clearly needs to be told how to deal with his feelings and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. whatever so he doesn't know what to do, and he needs advice. Who better to turn to than your friends? But he has a hard time actually doing that because men. I'm, right. Men don't turn to their friends, and men don't talk about their feelings. So he has this entire group of allies that he's, like, reluctant to use. Right. Just because of the way, you know, men are told that they are supposed to act. Um, when he finally does 
start talking to them, he's not honest no, for they keep, a while. They keep trying to get him to tell them, hey, what happened between you guys? And of course he's embarrassed. Yeah. So he's not telling them. Yeah. But he does eventually. I'm not saying he doesn't have reason to be embarrassed. Like, that would be right. embarrassing. But that's still toxic masculinity, too, is, like, the thing you're supposed to be able to do is do sex well. <laughs> like, oh. and the fact that he has to admit that I didn't I didn't know what I was supposed to be doing. Yeah. You know? And that's a false expectation. Yeah, well. like, like you don't... men don't come out of the womb knowing how to make a girl have an yeah, orgasm. No. Like, that's something that... I don't know. I'm not going to continue well, talking about that. We'll just leave that there <laughs> for you. Um, so in the end, his vulnerability and willingness to be finally truthful about what happened makes it possible for him to repair things. So this vulnerability, like, solves the problem. Yes. It's depicted that he had no reason to be afraid of it in the first place. When he tells his friends... They're all like, oh. Yeah, I mean, like, they rib him a little bit, but then they're like, okay, well, let's try and fix this man and like you can realize okay well i didn't have to be like completely paranoid about actually this. and i will say that one character i mentioned earlier brayden when the, when gavin finally does tell them what started their problems or what well not started but yeah the thing that made her kick him out he apologized he's like oh man i'm sorry i made all those sex jokes earlier yeah like, i feel real bad now yeah and obviously the message is that this vulnerability does not make them weak or less manly. It makes them mentally healthy and more capable of getting laid, which who doesn't want yes. that? His one friend, like, he and his wife announce at Thanksgiving she's pregnant again. Like, yeah. they're doing much better. Yay. And so we see this vulnerability modeled in the romance novels, and then they learn how that kind of behavior can pay off in real life. Yes. This book also... Uh, deals with what I previously called the pumpkin spice latte pop line. Yes, it does. Uh-huh. I <laughs> um, saw somebody reference that even in a review on Goodreads. Uh, um, so this book shows that only toxic masculinity is afraid of femininity. It is a very fragile masculinity that can't handle wearing a princess crown with your daughters and oh, playing yeah. tea party and that whatever. That seems cute. Like... Wear the crown, have a good time, no one's going to take your penis away if you like... <laughs> if you like pumpkin spice latte. Yeah, like... Which is literally a scene in the book. <laughs> you can still be a man and, like, also you're making your child feel happy and loved mm -hmm. and, you know, seen. Win, win, win. And... My dad played Pretty Pretty Princess with us when we were little. I Did love you have that. that game? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so... The baseball players are not any less manly or physically strong or sexy or talented or funny because they read romance novels. Like, right. it's very clear this group of men reads romance novels and they are still professional athletes with washboard abs who women want to sleep with. Right. And they're emotionally healthy, which makes women want to sleep with you more, just so you know that. <laughs> And one of the characters brings up brings this up when he gets made fun of for ordering a pumpkin spice latte. Yep, yep. One of the guys calls him out, and he's like, they taste good. Sorry that I like drinking pumpkin pie in a cup. <laughs> yeah, that's what he says. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry that you're missing out. I get to win. And so this is a quote from the book. Toxic masculinity permeates even the most mundane things in life. If masses of women like something, our society automatically begins to mock them. Just like romance novels, if women like them, they must be a joke, right? And so, by the end of the book, 
this group of men is not embarrassed that they're reading these books or drinking sugary coffee. Like, another one of the guys comes in and he's like, I finally tried it and they're delicious. Yeah. Like, and accepting that you don't have to be told what kind of things you like. And, like, this is true of, you know, any gender. Like, yeah. you can... Or any group, really. Yeah, like... like if you're a theater kid, you have to act like this in high school. And if you're a jock, like, you have to act like the, this. The high school musical paradigm yes. of, oh, I can't ugh. both like a sport and theater. Yeah, it's dumb. Who am I even? Mm -hmm. Like, you can do both things. We like to put humans in a box. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And this romance novel is different in that it is largely written from the male perspective, which is rare. Yes. yes. So chapters flip back and forth between... Gavin's perspective and Thea and then interludes from uh, courting the countess which helps show like what kind of lesson Gavin is going to be learning in the next like section oh, yeah, of the book. Oh yeah, it's very clearly paralleled. Yeah. Right. He's clearly like reading a chapter and going, "I could try that." And then I felt like the dual POVs helped show where the communication breaks breakdowns occur because I would agree with that. A lot of the times it's only from like one perspective. And this is so true. Like, if two people were present, there should be, you know, one version of reality that two people can recite to you. But that's never the case. There are no. two versions of reality. And to them, that is their truth. And depending on how things are interpreted, those two people can remember the exact same moment completely differently, which is yep. incredibly frustrating. Um, and we've talked about how romance novels, like, lean on miscommunication a lot, and I really don't like that. that. Yeah. Um, and for this one, it helped for when there was a miscommunication, I could see the thought process from both people to end up how they got where they are, that they really were legitimately miscommunicating, and it wasn't just, like, the annoying yes. kind of miscommunication that I hate in a romance novel. I would agree with that, yes, because all the things I maybe didn't enjoy and the tropes I didn't enjoy, that was not one of them. Like, yeah. miscommunication was at the heart of their problem, and it was very clearly defined yeah. where that was happening. They had, like, entire trains of thought where it's like they start here and they end up way over here, yes. and it's not the same place. And I could I could follow both of them and yes. be like, I see how you got there. That is not what the because other person thought was happening. You were acting as the therapist in this situation. Yeah, you were hearing both sides of the story. <laughs> and you were like, okay, guys. And I was like, oh, I see how she interpreted it that way, but that's not what he meant. But it makes so much sense that she would think that it was. But he was really trying when he yeah. did this. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, and I thought, I liked that it didn't make either one of them innocent or guilty like, it starts That's with, true. like... That's true. That's true. It starts with, like, Gavin hasn't paid attention, blah, blah, blah. But it also, like, addresses that Thea has done things to lead to this point. Yes. And she has to address those things, too. Neither one of them is the bad guy or the good guy or the wronged party. They're just two people who got married and have regular people married problems. That's, like That's true. Like, he even tells her at one point, like, you've got to figure out I think he actually uses the f term backstory. Like, <laughs> you got to dig into your backstory and figure out what's bothering you before yeah. we can continue to fix this. And that's accurate, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. that's true for real life. Adams did an interview, I think, with... Oh, The Nerd Daily. And this is a quote from that interview. One of the greatest challenges for any romance writer is crafting believable motivations for their character's actions. Gavin is sweet, swoony, and totally in love with his wife, so giving him a plausible reason for behaving in a way that leads to Thea asking for a divorce was difficult. 
On the other hand, I needed to give Thea a plausible motivation for wanting to divorce him and yet also being willing to give him a second chance. It required a delicate balance. One of the problems in their marriage is a lack of communication, both inside and outside the bedroom, which leads to the final straw in their marriage. It's hard to make belie conflict believable if the problem could simply be resolved in one conversation, so I had to dig deeply with both Thea and Gavin's backstories to explain why things got so bad between them and why they struggled to be open and honest with each other. And I appreciated that because if she'd made it too trivial, it would have been like, right. really? We're being dramatic, guys. Like, just have one conversation. And if she'd made it so bad where it was like he was abusive or something, right. you, you would not be rooting for them to get back together. And you would be having That's the true. same reaction as Liv of like, no, you really should not. <laughs> right. It right. had to be the perfect balance of... They really could split up, and that's a viable option, or they really could get back together if they work on their stuff, and that's a viable option, and I'll root for it. And I think that, you know... I think she did... You're right. I think she struck that balance well, and what I like about that quote is it wasn't a one-conversation yeah. fix. Like, they needed to have multiple conversations. And they took two steps forward, one step back. Right. Two steps forward, right. one step back, and they learned things about each other. Which she did well. Yeah, but it was also very real life. <laughs> yeah. You the fact that it was done well means that it was really stressful for you right. because like, it was very accurate. I don't think this was life. a badly done book. Yeah. Um and if you like these kinds of tropes, I I would recommend it to somebody. Yeah. It's just not But you found it to be stressful. Yeah. Which like she nailed it by making it really realistic, which she did. I appreciated. She did. And you found unpleasant. Yeah, she struck that balance well. Um, and I liked that this book was about marriage rather than a courtship mm -hmm. because the stakes were higher. Oh, okay. okay. Usually we meet people at the very beginning of a relationship. Right. Like, sometimes they haven't even met yet when the book starts. And we're, Gotta have a meet cute. Yeah. And so it's like, will they or won't they? And, like, if they don't, just go on a date with someone else. Right. <laughs> like, right. You know, Your like... life will not end. We've all been there. Sorry. Like, it'll be okay. Yeah. But for this one, we're dropped right into the middle of, like, a big conflict for people who have an established romance and you don't want it to end because they have a marriage and a relationship and children. And, and a public profile. And, yeah, like, you know. it's not going to be nothing for them to break up, yeah. and you're just dropped right in the middle of it. Like, it doesn't start with, the wind blows my scarf away, and I run after it. <laughs> like, I bump into this handsome stranger. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that's fair. Um, I thought that it dealt with the poignant reality that the person you marry is not going to be the same person in five or ten years' time. Mm -hmm. um, right. A lot of marriage conflict stems from the fact that we're all changing, but we don't yes. all change at the same pace or in the same direction. Yep. So, m like, in order to make a marriage work, like, I'm an expert on it, I'm just gonna, you know... <laughs> I'm, we both have, like, what, combined 20 years experience? Yeah. You got married one year before me, yeah. so you have 11, I have 10. Yeah. Um, I mean, uh, you are, I don't know you're gonna how change. you cannot be growing and changing. Like, yeah. if you're still alive, you're growing and changing. We hope. How do you you're make... You're boring. <laughs> yeah. How do you make sure that you're growing and changing in a way that's compatible, compatible if you're not checking in with that person? Which right. is what happens with Thea and Gavin. Yes. They're so in love with each other at the beginning, and they're like, so that's good, right? Like, Yeah, that's we, all you need. That's We smart. love each other. Mm -hmm. Let's now move in the exact same direction at the exact same pace. But then they don't check in with each other to say, like, hey, I see right. you drifting over here, and that's not where I'm headed. 
And they had some external factors also that were very real to yeah. like she she was pregnant when they got married, so that there's that. Yeah, you're immediately of, dropped into having kids and having like, twins. Jeez. I can't imagine. I I understand why they didn't have conversations for a while. They probably were just zombie people. Yeah. And for then like a he year. gets called up to the majors yeah. in his uh, in he, baseball, right as they get married. He's, like, physically gone then a lot of yeah, the time. Yeah, which that's maybe not as real life for some people, but changes in your career that make you then absent for a time from your family. That's yeah. real. You know. Yeah. So all of the things that made it so that they weren't checking in, I was like, yeah, that freaking happens. Talk to, talk to some have... people six months after they've had a baby. They're like, we have not had sex or had a conversation or gone on a date. <laughs> yeah. And, like... I mean, it was, you have to be intentional about it. And that's yeah. what they weren't doing. They weren't being intentional about their marriage. Yeah. And she obviously did not have a good example of how marriage is supposed no, to work. And no. he was just, I forget what his, like, parent situation was well, like. Well, he did. But he, is, he, he had one phone conversation with his dad in the book where he was like, oh, you and mom have such a perfect relationship. And it had, his dad had to burst his bubble and be like, son. <laughs> really? LOL. You got this? You know, like, just like, hey, real life. Yeah, we had in. to try and make it that way yeah. so that you thought that. Yeah. In this interview, Adams talks about how, like, your wedding day is not supposed to be the happiest day of your life. It's actually really sad if your marriage, if your wedding day is the happiest day of your life. And it's like, it's... A, I liked that quote. It's supposed to go up from there right, you know yep. um you need to be ready to be married not just get married yes it's not just a party yeah um it's a commitment and gavin falls into this trap of thinking because he's absolutely besotted with her on their wedding day that you know they got it in the bag yeah and, and everything will just he'll automatically know what to do incorrect <laughs> um in the end this book is legitimately proposing that men read romance novels in order to be better partners. And I like that. Like, it's kind of a running gag in the book, mm -hmm. but at the same time, it's not untrue. It's not a bad idea to, to do this. I mean, romance novels can be unrealistic. I, I get it as an impetus, but what I think they really need to be doing is just talking to each other. Right. About their masculinity and about their partners. And then like, also talking to their partners. Like, romance novels are unrealistic. Yeah. And, like, I I know that some men have complained, like, my wife reads romance novels, so now she has these completely unrealistic expectations. Like, yeah. I can't be this perfect man. If you go into it with a correct understanding of what you're supposed to yes. be gaining from them, you can learn valuable things. I'm not... If you're I, using it as the catalyst for a broader conversation. Yeah, don't just, like, copy a romance novel and be like, I've fixed my life. Yeah. But looking into, oh, these are the things that make women feel seen? Okay, right. put that in your back pocket for later. Which would also mean you'd probably need to be discerning about which romance novels you're reading. <laughs> sure. <laughs> sure. Yeah, I don't... I'm, I don't think she's saying, and I'm not saying, that, like, reading a romance novel will just, like, automatically no. fix you. Just, like... Looking into, they're very intimate and internal as far as, because it's all about, this is how people are feeling. Yes. That's the whole core of a romance novel is this is how people are feeling. So yes. if you're struggling to understand what your wife might be, or what your partner might be feeling and why they're reacting a certain way, like, I think you could legitimately gain insight from a yes. romance novel. Mm -hmm. Or at least have some conversation starters. Like, hey, have you ever felt this way? Like, yeah. And then go from there. Like, yeah. So the other, this book is a series. Did you know that? I did know that. Okay. Mm -hmm. I like that this series is not like in, it's in order, but it doesn't follow the same characters, obviously. Like 
Gavin. Yeah, Gavin's story is wrapped up. Yeah. Um, but the next one is about Liv. And Brayden. And Brayden. There's a little teaser in this book I was, about that. You're talking about not liking either of them. And I was like, well, definitely don't read the second <laughs> one because it's about them falling in love. Yeah. Um, so it, like, takes a side character from each book. Right. And then builds on it. So, like, you can read them completely out of order. And you might, like, there's a couple of sentences about Thea and Gavin. And they seem really happy these days. Yeah. In the other ones. but like, if you check in. And then... Yeah. But if you don't read this one first it doesn't matter so i like that it's a series in the same universe but it's not actually like you have to read one and then two and then that three and then four that seems to be what a lot of romance novels do right yeah because you can't be a series in the way other books are where you're continuing the plot yeah you're just breaking up and getting back together over and over, yeah, and over again that's not going to work so you have to take those side characters yeah. cuz doesn't spoiler alert isn't yeah, it? yeah yeah um it's the his like actor friend who's yeah, you know on the sidelines right. and his assistant. Right. And then Bridgerton is going through the siblings. Oh, right. So like you yeah. see the same characters, but like you're obviously not dealing with the same right. people. So right. like they go in order from the that's, Bridgerton. That's siblings. clever to make a series out of things that have to have endings each time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So um the other books are Undercover Bromance, Crazy Stupid Bromance. Isn't it bromantic and a very merry bromance, Christmas themed? Oh. I have I have read all of them except for that last one. Oh, okay. And you like them all? I do. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I really liked this one, and well, I really liked all of them. I was gonna like rank them, but I I, I liked heard all of from them. one of our book club friends that some of the other ones got a bit more didactic in mm. the like masculinity, femininity kind of. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Storyline. Um, That's they fair. They liked the earlier ones better. That's fair. I would not disagree with that necessarily. Yeah. Um, but I have to bring up now something that Brandon pointed out to me. Why is this called the Bromance Book Club? I understand they are bros reading <laughs> romance novels. But they're not in a... <laughs> right. The word bromance implies like, oh, these two guys are like, you know, best friends or whatever. Which That's... I guess they like are. They're pals. Okay. Because he brought that up and I was like... Good point. This is not about two guys bromancing. And their friendship is him and his wife. But I the don't... book club is a bromance. It's a group of best guy friends who who are bromancing. The way you talked about it and described it, it's kind of like how you felt last week. It's like, I like talking about this. I just yeah. didn't enjoy reading it as much. <laughs> but, like, it makes me wish it was more of that and, like, less of his, like... Yeah. Obviously, we need a bromance book, like an actual bromance book. Yeah, like, book. obviously you have to have the storyline with his wife as the catalyst for him. But I would, I think if you were going to, like, redo this book, I want more of him and the bros. Yeah. And, like, just enough of his storyline with his wife to, like, get us to those next meetings. Yeah. I'm trying to remember if the other one's uh, bromance any harder. Right. I think it's probably about the same ratio of, okay. of romance to bromance. But <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a like nineties boy band. Yeah. Boys romance to romance to bromance. Right. Okay. I think they would have really cool music that you know, you couldn't help but like, you right. know? Like a you'd, pumpkin spice latte. You'd be a little annoyed with it the first time you heard it and then you're like, Man, that's catchy. Man, that's catchy. Can't get out of my head. Yeah. Well, um, if anyone wants to write a romance to bromance song, I'm very interested in hearing it. We want to hear I'm it. I'm sure yeah. it'll be a bop and it'll get stuck in your head forever. All right. Tell me what other people hated about this book. Oh, boy. There was... I have four one-star reviews for you to read. I tried to find the quippiest ones. Um, man, 
I gotta tell you, there's a lot of hate for Thea oh. on the one-star <laughs> reviews. Like, it was a little intense. Um, but here you go. We'll start out with one from Linaria. From Linaria. Her. OMG, I hate you. Move out. Him. Okay, if that's what you want. Her. How dare you move out? This relationship is over. Seriously? This is how the book goes. I thought that it would be light... A light, funny romance. Unfortunately, while the premise is absolutely ridiculous in the best way, the book itself is... The book took itself way too seriously. Not to mention the book gets awfully serious in parts which just didn't vibe with me with the wacky premise. I took a chance on this book and it definitely didn't hit a home run. I know, I'm hilarious. (laughs) (laughs) That was funny. I'm so glad that she also was like, Hey, baseball pun! Baseball puns are I know how to do it too! Yeah, they're not... (laughs) I understand why it's used as metaphors for a lot of things. So this is from Jenna, Jenna Brienne. Sure. I don't know. Um, I feel that the author has never been around toddlers, groups of men, or people in general. The dialogue was not believable at all. <laughs> Their two three-year-old children were very well behaved, I have to say. They they were three? Yeah. I, I noted that because I have the mother of a four and two-year-old, and I'm like... No. <laughs> Granted, they're boys, but still. Yeah, but I am, like, remembering the vibe that they gave off, and I thought they were, like, seven. Nope. <laughs> they three. Because they've only been married three years. Yeah. Yeah. God, duh, that's yeah. really obvious. Oh, that's a, that's okay. okay. Listen, my three-year-old doesn't act like that. No. no. <laughs> Sorry. My three-year-old had a dance recital that she did not attend. We talked about their dance recitals. Hey, good for you for not making her go through with something that she didn't want to do. Yeah. Because a lot of parents would have. My mother-in-law and I were talking about that today. We were like, good for Stephanie. Like, don't make your kid do things that they're going to, like, feel humiliated doing. She's three years old. The point of dance class was for her to have a fun time. If she's not having a fun time, there's literally no point in it. So we were like, do you want to go home? And she was like, yes. We were like, great, let's go. I love that. This is from Sari. S-A-R-I. <laughs> Imagine going to a bar and someone breathes beer into your face while slurring the Blurred Line song. You'd have a better time than reading this. <laughs> <laughs> Whoa! Now, that was so specific. That was a little harsh. Um, I didn't have that bad of a time. <laughs> I just want to know if this happened to her. I feel like it must have. That's really specific. <laughs> okay, this is Fifi. I'll cut right to the chase. This book felt off. I honestly could not care less about the characters as they all annoyed the crap out of me, so I'm not even going to get into that. Instead, let's talk about this. There's a character who's referred to as the Russian for the entire book and whose only personality traits are farting and having a heavy accent. We only learn his name at the very end of the book. Russian, he panted. Come here. His name is Russian? My name is Vlad. Sorry about your bathroom. Page 334 out of 339. Like, this didn't sit well with me. None of the book did. I just thought that was hilarious. <laughs> book four is about the Russian. Is it really? Yep. Oh, no. So you learn lots and lots about I him. I don't think I, from the little bit I got in this book, I'm not sure I want to know. It is not all about his bathroom habits, okay, I promise. That was... And he has a name because it's his story. So, And he doesn't call himself the, the Russian. The Russian, right, yeah. 
Um, I thought that was funny. It very that was one of those things that made it feel very rom com mm -hmm. Like this would be in a movie that funny side character that yeah with flatulence issues. Okay. Yes, he <laughs> he certainly served his purpose of. <laughs> no, it didn't make me like the book less. Apparently, it made Fifi like the book less. But whatever. His name is Russian. My name is Vlad. Okay, should we tell everybody about June? Oh, yeah. Okay. So we decided to do things a little differently for June. Yeah. Happy summer. We're yeah. Gonna mix it up. We're going to read some books that we like. Yeah. Well, <laughs> kind of. Sort of. What are we doing? <laughs> so the first two books in June, we're going to each assign the other a book that we liked and we think the other one will like. Yes. So we're opposite of the current purpose. Well, one type of opposite. Let's do right. it that way. And then the second pairing for June, so the last two weeks in June, we're each going to assign the other a book that we think the other will like, but that we personally hated. Yeah. So I'm so. going to assign Stephanie a book that I think she'll like, but I did not. Um, and I had a book in mind long before this podcast. I was like, Hannah would like this book, but I hate it. Yeah. <laughs> so. Yep. So. The conversation might end up being the same, I guess. But. Yeah, it'll still be a balanced conversation. The other ones, maybe we'll just have, you know, nothing, a lovely but, time. nothing but love. Or we could find out that we're wrong about each other, and I thought I you'd like something I, it's that It's kind of like some pressure, like, oh, we're, we're setting this up for ourselves, <laughs> like, assigning the other one a book we think they'll like, and then what if they end up hating it? Oh, no. I mean, it's okay. We disagree basically every week, so nothing bad's going to happen. But when we mess happen. up the other way, it's like a nice, happy accident. Yeah. And this way, it's going to be like, oh. Real bummer. <laughs> whoops. I guess we'll still be true to the podcast if yeah. that happens. We just wanted to mix it up. We figured yep. we've established a pattern, and, you know, reading books that you probably won't like half the time is... <laughs> Sometimes it is a bummer. Yeah, so it is. We're going to um, give each other a little bit of a break. Yeah, maybe we'll do it again. We'll see how it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so tune in next month for episodes that are a little bit different. Yep. And the next book, the reason I brought it all up is because the next book I assigned you yes. to read um, is Speak by Lori Hall Sanderson. A book that you like that you also think I will like. I read it many moons ago, and even then I was like, Stephanie will like this book, and... I'm going to finally get her to read it. All right. So let's see if I actually like it. Tune okay. in next week. Thank you for listening to You Might Hate This Book. Join us again next week for more discussion of the books we love. And the books we hate. You can help others find this podcast by leaving us a review and a five-star rating. And don't forget to hit subscribe. You can offer additional support and earn cool perks by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash hatethisbookpod. Special thanks to Montague Workshop. See you next week. Our script is technically wrong. Tune in next week for more discussion of the books we love and the books we love. Oh. It's okay. Let's leave it just like this. Okay, great. <laughs> See you then. Is the Bromance Book Cup. Book? <laughs> Okay, take a breath. We'll obviously come. <laughs> Alpha they male. They have it all. Yeah. Alpha male guys. Guys. Oh my gosh. I cannot talk today. That's all right. Shouldn't have had a podcast.